Welcome to worship this morning. Uh, it's kind of cool to see all the lights on up here and to see the purple. Um, as we begin this Advent season, as we begin uh, the Christian year, um, a time of waiting and anticipation and expectation, a time in which we truly uh, do expect Christ to come afresh and anew. Uh, this morning, uh, before we uh, light the Advent candle, I want to remind you all that we, we have a few cards in the back on a table back there. We've been invited to, um, to shower Joanne Graff with some cards on her 80th birthday. You probably have seen some of that. Hopefully you all are, are doing some individual cards. Uh, but we thought it would be neat if um, we also had cards which uh, folks who are at worship signed and we were able to send to her. And so I hope you'll take the time before you leave today uh, to just sign one of those cards. Uh, put happy birthday or, or whatever you want to put with a, with a message to her. And, um, and they will make sure she gets that and she hears what's written in them. So I hope that you'll take time to do that. Um, and now I want to invite you. I want to invite you to stand um, as, uh, as, the, as the light, as the acolyte brings the light of Christ forward, as we are reminded of Christ's presence and coming into our midst, and at the same time as the choir sings, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, for that is what the Advent season is about. And uh, lighting of the Advent candles. Good 
morning. My wife, Chelsea, and these are our children. Show us what it looks like to wait on you. Quiet our minds, open our hearts, and renew our spirits as we wait and watch for you. Lord God, you who sent your beloved Son as a light that shines in the darkness, may we cling to your hope rather than our despair. May we share your love in a time of distrust. And may we see your light in the darkness as we wait for the coming of Christ. Enjoy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness. And wonders of his love, and wonders of his love, and wonders, wonders of his love. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive a king. Let every heart prepare him and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven nature sing, and heaven and heaven nature sing. Please join me in our responsive prayer. Christ our Savior, save us from today's captivities from the need to have more, and from having our identity and self-worth defined by what we possess. Savior Christ, set us free. 
from the need to be satisfied without waiting and from anxiety when material longings are deferred. Savior Christ, set us free. From paralysis and confusion in the face of so many needs and the overload of information. Savior Christ, set us free. From hyperactivism that denies our limitations and from apathy that d- denies our, pow- our God-given powers, Savior Christ, set us free. From trying to replace you as Savior by taking the world on our own shoulders, Savior Christ, set us free. From ignorance or denial of what drives us to usher in your kingdom, and from captivity to what drives us towards our own personal needs, Savior Christ, set us free. From embarrassment and speaking about your love, from not knowing what to say, and from shame of being misunderstood, scorned, or ignored, Savior Christ, set us free. From captivity to anger, bitterness, and disappointment, and from captivities we cannot speak about our name, Savior Christ, set us free. Amen. Please be seated. Today. Come on. Y'all can hang out right here. You may need to turn me down just a little bit. All right. Well, hello there. Are you all ready? What are you ready for? Christmas, what, to learn, to learn. ooh, all right, what, okay, so um, usually after Thanksgiving, at least, maybe y'all didn't do that, when I was your age, um, after Thanksgiving, I began to think about Christmas, yes, right, can we admit that, I mean, it's kind of hard. We look around and we see all the lights everywhere, right? We start to hear Christmas music, and we begin to think about Christmas, right? Are y'all waiting for Christmas? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there, I got I got excited. What, what is it that you're waiting for at Christmas? Toys. Baking cookies and presents. Oh, cookies and baking cookies and presents, and then, like, you're going to invite me over to eat cookies? No. Oh, all right. No. Well, that's, that's kind of a mixed boat there. You, 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 you all know, as, as Christy's learned, um, it, 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 you know, she makes cookies, right? She's learned anytime she needs to try out a new cookie, I'm always up and willing to do that. Yes, right? Um, so um, so you begin, you're looking forward to toys and presents and, and fun and family, maybe a turkey or dinner, right? You're, you're looking forward to that. So is that tomorrow? No, that's in a month. How long? A month. A month. You mean we got to wait four weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. And I don't know about you all, but in our... Huh? Is it five weeks? <laughs> now, I don't know about, about you, but in, in our household... Um, the, 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 you know, some gifts started appearing under the tree that came from family, right? Um, and I don't know, um, I always had a hard time. They always had to tell me, stay away from the tree. Do y'all, 
Oh, I hear laughing. Somebody knows that. Somebody's heard that, right? <laughs> Stay away from those presents. You're not supposed to open them out. You can't open them until? But that's four weeks away. No, 44. 44. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Somebody else want to come up here and do this? Um, um, is it that way at home with you all at home too? Is that what they're yelling at me too? I don't know. But, but anyway, there's something else in the season of Advent uh, that we get ready for. And guess what? It's not toys and it's not presents that we open up on Christmas Day. Do you know what it is? Jesus. Uh, close, but not quite. It's Jesus' birthday, right? We, we uh, celebrate Jesus' birthday on Christmas Day. And the season of Advent is a time when we remember how um, people of old were waiting on God to show up. Waiting on God to show up and to do something new. And so Advent is this season where not only do we anticipate Christmas Day and the presents we might get, but we come and we anticipate God showing up, not just in the baby Jesus, but God showing up in new ways to do new things again. And so, um, throughout this season of Advent, this is what I want to invite you to do. Um, I want to invite you each day to look for God and to see signs of where you might see God at work in your life or in your family or in the world. Can you do that? No. Yeah, chip off the old block. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to say a prayer for you all, and then I'm going to send you back to your parents. Is that okay? Woo. Okay, let's pray. Gracious God. Gracious God. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We, we do thank you for the anticipation of the joy, not just of Christmas Day and of receiving, but the joy of your coming again into our life and into our world. Help us in this season of Advent as we wait to, to be aware and awake to your presence. Help us to look around and to see you in um, our community and the world. Um, in Christ's name, amen. All right, y'all can head back that way. Well, dur during the season of Advent, I, I like to read from the lectionary, and the lectionary is just this fancy word that means um, reading from uh, scriptures uh, that um, are used throughout the world. In other words, there, there, there is this uh, three-year lectionary that has readings that you do in different seasons of the year um, and basically get you through all of Scripture if you follow it. But um, I, especially during the season of Advent and Lent, I like to pick up uh, and, and see. And this year we're in year C, which is in the book of Luke. And so we're going to be hearing passages from Luke uh, through this Advent. 
And today we're going to read a passage from Luke chapter 21. But I always find this interesting. On the first Sunday of Advent, um, we light the candle of hope. And then we read these texts, uh, like what we're going to read today, and texts from Matthew and from, from Mark. We, we read these texts on the first Sunday of Advent, uh, which are filled with images uh, that don't sound so hopeful or joyful, at least on the surface, as we read them. Uh, we read these texts that uh, seem to proclaim uh, that an end is coming. And in fact, today, you will see as we read Luke chapter 21, um, we, we, um, we have this passage that talks about a coming end. But if we're going to understand this passage, it does help if we go back to the beginning of chapter 21 and we um, are aware of the context in which we are reading this and other passages. Uh, at the very beginning of chapter 21, uh, 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 people are in the temple, they're looking at the temple, they're talking about the beauty of the temple. Uh, and uh, Jesus makes some comment about uh, this beauty of the temple. It is uh, temporary. And in fact, that the very temple uh, that is the center of, of the Jewish religion at his time, he says that very temple will be destroyed, will be uprooted. Um, and, and so uh, hearing that, of course, you can imagine um, that they were a bit alarmed. What do you mean that our temple is going to be destroyed? I mean, they had experienced the destruction of the temple in the past, and so they're worried and they're asking Jesus, so when will this happen? And in response to their request for a timeline, you know, can you give me a timeline so I can get ready, I guess, I'm not sure. Uh, but Jesus, in response to their request for a timeline, uh, Jesus says something about uh, there, will be, there will be times of false teachers and war and rebellion and earthquakes and food shortages and epidemics. Sound familiar? Um, and Jesus mentions these signs. And oftentimes when we, when we hear and we read this passage, we do the exact opposite of what Jesus says. Uh, these are typical signs. These are typical events that most people in the ancient world and even today, when they happen, we begin to think that the end has arrived. But Jesus very clearly says that these are not signs that the end has arrived. These are not signs that the end is here. Uh, they will come before the end, uh, but really, in essence, if you listen to what Jesus is saying, I think he basically says uh, these uh, cycles of times, these are things that we will go through throughout. These are part of living life in a fallen and broken world. They, in and of themselves, are not signs uh, that the sky is falling and that the world will end tomorrow. 
And then in verses 12 through 24, Jesus gives this destruction. Again, oftentimes we read these verses in 12 through 24, and we think that they're about the end of of time, of all time. But if we read them carefully, we find that verses 12 through 24 really are speaking about what people can expect in the days and weeks and months leading up to the destruction of the temple. Verses, uh, uh, verses 12 through uh, 21 really are telling the people that there will be a day when the temple will be destroyed. And in fact, uh, if you read the, uh, the passage here, if you read this description here and in other gospels, we see that the description matches what happened in a- around A.D. 70 when the temple was destroyed. And then we get to this passage that we read today and we begin to realize that Jesus seems to be making a a transition from talking about the coming destruction of the temple to, to another kind of ending. Another kind of ending. And so we're going to read this passage. We're going to take a look at it. We're going to see if we can understand exactly what uh, Jesus was trying to say to the people in his day and how we might hear this message today. And so I'm going to pick this up in uh, chapter 21, uh, or chapter 21, verse 25. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, there will be dismay among the nations in their confusion over the roaring of the sea and the surging waves. The planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken, causing people to faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. Then they will see the human one, the son of man, coming on a cloud with power and great splendor. Now when these things begin to happen, stand up straight and raise your heads because your redemption is near. Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these signs happening, you know that God's kingdom is near. I assure you that this generation won't pass away until everything has happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. Take care that your hearts aren't dulled by drinking parties and drunkenness and the anxieties of day-to-day life. Don't let that day fall upon you unexpectedly like a trap. It will come upon everyone who lives on the face of the whole earth. Stay alert at all times, praying that you are strong enough to escape everything that is about to happen and stand before the human one. Hear these words this day and respond to God and his word on this day. As we, you know, there's much debate, um, even uh, what this passage is speaking to and what end that this is speaking to. There are some who think that this passage is still speaking about the end and the destruction of the temple. There are others who, who hear this word and they are certain that Jesus is talking about the ultimate end of time. Um, uh, But I want to suggest that it doesn't really matter which end he is speaking to uh, because I think the message is the same regardless. 
Uh, but, but really, um, before we even talk about that, it is important for us to think about uh, what is it that we think the end is. When we think of the end of the world, I think it is important because sometimes uh, it, it's our understanding of that end that judges how we hear this scripture. See, oftentimes we think that, uh, that our time on earth is like this trial period where we just uh, live our life in, in hope of showing our faithfulness or our trust to God. And then we get to the end of our lives or we get to the end of time and then there's this judgment day. There's this judgment day where we go and we stand before the pearly gates, right? Isn't this what we've been often told? And we arrive there and we're told, you go that way, you go this way, you go that way, you go this way. Um, and maybe this is not the story you heard growing up, but this is often how I was taught about what it meant when we talked about the end. And yet if we read Scripture closely... That, uh, that is not the end to which God points. God points to this end uh, that has the joining together of heaven and earth once again. Uh, in the beginning, God created uh, and heaven and earth overlapped each other. And then in our brokenness, what began to happen is that which God had put together began uh, to, to uh, break apart and um, and no longer be joined together in complete union. And so the end to which we are moving is this joining together. It is not us getting to heaven, but it is heaven coming to earth. Is that not what we read in Revelation? Um, is that God's kingdom and there is a new heaven and a new earth. And so this becomes important, I think, because so often when we read these texts, we are not very good interpreters of the signs. Jesus says there will be signs. And every time we read passages like this, we get this view of this day of judgment in our heads. And we think when Jesus says there will be signs, we think that these are words uh, uh, that these are words of warnings and threats. So often we hear these words as if uh, Jesus is warning us and telling us uh, that your day is coming. We read these as if, they're, um, as if they are signs of an impending doom and gloom and loss. And we hear them as this threat. This threat that says the world as we know it will soon come to an end. So you better shape up or God's going to get you. Isn't that often sometimes how we think about the end of time? And we read these, these signs that Jesus says will come as a threat to us, as a warning that we better shape up. And yet, I want to suggest that this is a poor interpretation of the signs. It is a poor interpretation of this scripture. Look what Jesus says. When Jesus says that there will be signs, he says there will be signs. And when you see these signs, your redemption is drawing near. And then he does this parable of the fig tree uh, the same way to, to tell them 
and to, to teach us that sometimes our interpretation of these words about the coming of an ending, sometimes we interpret them in doom and gloom and let Jesus says, it's like the, it's like the parable of the fig tree. When you see them begin to sprout leaves, you know that summer is near. You know that new growth is coming. You know that soon there will be fruit on the trees. It is a sign that the kingdom of heaven is near. That God is coming again into the midst of the world in which we live. You see, I don't know to what end this passage might be speaking to, and I don't really think that it matters because I think what we all experience in our lifetime is we experience these times of transition, these times uh, uh, when it's very clear that there is a new age upon us. And the question is, is will we act like the rest of the world and respond in fear? Will we only see the doom and gloom of the loss or will we see the possibilities of what might be? I don't know about you all, but when I was in seminary, there was a whole bunch of discussion about the end of modernity and the coming of post-modernity. Maybe you all are going, yeah, keep that in seminary and don't talk about it today. Uh, but there was this, this whole debate about uh, we're coming to this end of a modern era and moving into this age of post-modernity, this, this time of when we thought everything was certain, uh, moving into this time where everything seems to be relative or we seem to think everything is relative um, or we're not sure what the truth is. Does that sound familiar about where we are today? Um, and yet most of the debates that we had were um, how can we stop it? Obviously, none of those debates came to any fruition. Uh, our, our debates were fear of the doom and gloom when modernity, when modernity ends and this new age begins, all, all things will fall apart. And in fact, more and more over the last uh, two or three years, maybe more than that, in the church and in the world, um, it seems to me that we see signs all over the place. And we interpret them as signs of doom and gloom. We interpret them to mean, oh, the world is coming uh, to an end. All that we know is coming to an end. Everything is doom and gloom. It's never going to be as good as it was. Hmm. Well, I won't go there. Um, I, I know I've talked to a few folks uh, uh, that tell me uh, that the days of the horse and buggy weren't so wonderful. See, sometimes we get in our head when we begin to experience loss, when we know that we're coming to a point where, where things are changing and a new age is upon us. We can only see the losses. We can only see how what was is no longer. We, we only can see about how the world is getting worse. And in fact, we often read these passages as if that's what they're telling us is that the world will get worse and worse and worse and worse. 
well, I don't know how to tell you this, but really, if you look at the whole world, it's better today than it was 100 years ago. We find that hard to believe because we're in the midst of a difficult time. And when we're in the midst of a difficult time, we're convinced that everything is just going to hell. Aren't we? In reality, we are experiencing changes that we cannot stop and that will happen. And what we can choose to do is we can choose to read the day and the time and we can choose to see the doom and the gloom and how all is terrible. Or we can hear Jesus' words, there will be signs. The rest of the world will be in fear and trembling because they do not know what to do. All they know is that they're losing and something different is happening. There will be signs. And these signs will be signs that your redemption is near. These signs will be signs that God is still at work, that God still comes afresh and anew in the world to set it right. God still comes into the world to undo injustice. God still comes into the world to offer comfort in the midst of sorrow. There will be signs that the kingdom of heaven is near. I wonder... What would happen if the people in the church, instead of looking around and joining the chorus of the rest of the world, saying everything is falling apart, uh, if this doesn't happen, the world is going to come to an end, or if this doesn't happen, the world is going to come to an end, we need to, uh, we need to prepare ourselves for battle. I wonder... If instead of joining in that course and focusing on the signs that certainly point to the losses and the changes that are going on in our world. I wonder what would happen if we, if we in this season of Advent instead began to look at the signs that are going on around us and saying, you know what? I see God at work there. I see in the midst of these food shortages, people seeking to meet them and to offer help to people. I see in the midst of injustice, while we don't always get it right, there are still signs that we do sometimes. And justice is not um, something that will not happen. I wonder what would happen if instead of always hearing the news, and it doesn't matter what channel you watch, they're all the same. Are you afraid enough? Are you afraid of them? Are you afraid of that? Have you seen this sign that the world is coming to an end? Have you seen the signs of doom and gloom? If instead we would look around and look, in the faces of our friends and our neighbors 
and we would say, I see the signs that God's kingdom is near. You know, in the day of Jesus, there were signs. There were signs. And many of the people of God, instead of seeing the signs of God coming to set things anew and aright, of Jesus coming to demonstrate a way of life, they chose to reject those signs. And so Advent, on this first Sunday of Advent, we are challenged. We are in challenge to interpret the signs correctly. To see the signs of hope. The kingdom of God is near. And we are invited in this season of Advent not only to see that and to declare that, but we are invited in this season of Advent to participate, to prepare ourselves to participate in bringing that kingdom upon the earth. So that one day, we, we will enjoy that glorious end when heaven and earth are reunited in their fullness. And we can experience the fullness of God's creation. And we can experience a world and a life together in which not just a few flourish, but in which all might flourish. There are signs. How do you interpret them? Do you see them? Jesus is coming afresh and anew. Amen.
Indeed, having seen and heard the words of hope that Christ comes afresh and anew, let us go forth not just to be folks who speak words of hope, but through our very lives to be a beacon of hope in this world. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to offer hope and healing and wholeness through Jesus Christ this day and every day. Amen.